I thank God for all who have led us in worship today. It is good to be back with you this Sunday, you who are worshiping with us here in person, as well as you who are worshiping with us online. We continue a sermon series called The Healing Savior, in which we are looking at different stories in the Gospels about Jesus healing folks. And these stories have a variety of themes and emphases. And today I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 9, I'll read verses 14 through 29 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is Punctuating Faith. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything... Have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, And he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, This kind can come out only through prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I have a friend named Jeremy. Jeremy is a Christian who loves philosophy. And several years ago, he read the philosophical writings of the 18th century German philosopher Ludwig Feuerbach. 
Feuerbach argued that God is a figment of the human imagination, a mere projection of what we wish we could be. He wrote, man believes in a perfect being because he himself wishes to be perfect. He believes in an immortal being because he himself does not wish to die. In reading this atheist philosophy, Jeremy struggled with doubt. He told me about it. His faith grew a question mark. I have known other Christians who have had doubts due to all the evil and suffering in the world. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, why would God let children starve? Why would God let the earthquake kill so many in Haiti? Why would God allow all the terrible things happening in Afghanistan to happen? Why would God allow this huge hurricane to slam into the Gulf Coast? Why would God allow a pandemic to have such a stranglehold on the globe? These are a few of the harsh realities that can cause faith to grow a question mark. People of faith have long struggled with doubt. Centuries ago, the writer of Psalm 13 in the Old Testament said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? In Habakkuk chapter 1, the Old Testament prophet said, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not Save. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? In Matthew 14, Peter walked on water with Christ momentarily, but then the scripture says he became frightened and he doubted. In Matthew chapter 28, the disciples worship the risen Christ on a mountaintop, but the scripture says some doubted. We read about doubt in the pages of Holy Scripture, which brings us to the man who took his son to see Jesus in Mark 9. The boy appeared to be suffering from seizures caused by an evil spirit. Jesus wasn't around, so the disciples tried to help, but they were not able to cure him. They had cast out evil spirits before because Jesus had given them authority to do so back in Mark chapter 6. This time, however, they tried to heal the boy under their own power rather than trusting God through prayer. That's why Jesus rebuked them, saying, Oh, faithless generation, how long must I put up with you? The disciples not only disappointed Jesus, They also disappointed the young man's father. And like many people who have unsatisfactory experiences with the church, the man began to doubt Christ. His faith grew a question mark. When Jesus showed up, the man said, If you are able to do anything, please help us. Jesus said, 
if you are able, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the man cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. It's one of the great one-liners of the Bible. I believe, help my unbelief. Faith and doubt stand side by side. Trust and uncertainty rub shoulders. Conviction and hesitation hold hands. While the disciples had been too confident in their own powers, the boy's father genuinely expressed his doubting faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. It's not just his dilemma. It's the caption beneath every Christian heart. If a spiritual x-ray were taken of our hearts this morning, I bet it would reveal a mixture of faith and doubt. We believe God created us in a wonderful way in God's own image. Yet sometimes we doubt our self-worth. We believe the good news of Jesus Christ, yet sometimes we hesitate to share it. We believe God is always with us and never leaves us nor forsakes us, yet sometimes we are overcome by worry. We believe in forgiveness as Christ taught, but sometimes we struggle to practice it. Even heroes of the faith deal with doubt. Back in 2007, Mother Teresa's private writings were published. And for a couple of days, a major story in several news outlets was that, according to these private writings, Mother Teresa struggled with doubts during her famous ministry in India. I didn't find this surprising in the least because she ministered for years to the sick, the homeless, and the dying on the streets of Calcutta. Every day she watched some of the poorest people in the world suffer and expire. Wouldn't anyone who did that for 20 or 30 years have some doubts about God from time to time? Nevertheless, her faith endured and her ministry continued. Even Mother Teresa could have echoed this man's plea in Mark 9. I believe, help my unbelief. Notice that the man does not say, I believe and I'm going to work on improving my unbelief. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's a prayer. When faith grows a question mark, we don't try to straighten it out on our own. Instead, we ask Christ for help. We turn doubt into prayer. Many times as a pastor, 
Christians, involved, committed Christians, have come to me expressing their struggles with doubt. And one of the first things I recommend is to try turning doubt into prayer. I know it's counterintuitive, but I think it's the best way for Christians to handle doubt. We don't ignore our doubts or pretend like they don't exist. We don't take our doubts and go running away from God either. Instead, we acknowledge our doubt to God in prayer. And we ask God to help us through it. Author Christian Wyman calls this devotional doubt. In his book entitled My Bright Abyss, Wyman writes, The cry of faith, even if it is a cry against God, moves toward God. Notice that Christ does not respond to the man by saying, you wicked doubter, I will cast you into the outer darkness. No. Notice that he also does not say to the man, look, your faith is just not strong enough to follow me. Be gone, you evildoer. Instead, Jesus seems to accept the man's confession with grace. It appears that Jesus is plenty able to handle our doubts. I think he appreciates the honesty. After all, doubt is often a sign of substantive faith. If you believe in God and walk with God, yet sometimes doubt God's existence, you obviously take God seriously. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet sometimes doubt it, you obviously take the resurrection seriously. Many Christians struggle with doubt. I've struggled with doubt before. I remember in college, I had a friend that I talked to about my doubts. One day I was telling her some of the things I was struggling with, and she said, sometimes you need to stop agonizing and just accept things on faith. She had a point. <laughs> we cannot figure everything out. Some of God's mysteries are indecipherable to our human intellects. But at the same time, I don't think faith should be totally unthinking. If unthinking faith were the ideal, then all intellectual discernment would be out the window. We could become Scientologists as easily as we could become a Christian. We could become a member of the Heaven's Gate cult as easily as we could become a Baptist. I do not idealize unthinking faith because I believe we are to earnestly consider why we place our faith or trust our confidence in Christ rather than another religion or another philosophy or another teacher or whatever. And if we try to figure out which claims from different religions and philosophies are true and which are not, we're bound to run into a few doubts along the way. But we might end up with an even stronger faith than before. Doubt is not always damaging. It's not something to which we aspire, and it's not something we would want to glamorize, but it is part of the life of genuine faith that God can use for the good. 
I think doubt is like a blizzard and faith is like a tree. Doubt has the potential to come storming in and push faith around. But if the storm of doubt does not altogether uproot faith, it will only make faith stronger. When I was young, I learned that if you cut down a tree and count the number of rings inside, it tells you how old the tree is. When I became an adult, at some point I learned that the darker rings are formed during the winter months. And they turn out to be the strongest parts of the tree. Faith is a tree that can actually grow stronger amid the harsh conditions of doubt. This is not just a theory I have. I've seen this happen. Uh, Several years ago, uh, in another state at a church I was pastoring, a very committed Christian man, very involved in the church, came to me and shared how he was struggling with doubt. He had a crisis in his personal life and he was praying about it and he was not getting the answers he was hoping for or looking for and he was beginning to feel over weeks and months of praying that God was distant or that maybe God wasn't even real. We prayed about this together. We talked about it together. He continued worshiping with the church through his doubt and wouldn't you know it several months later he was on a mission trip sharing a robust gospel witness. Sometimes a struggle with doubt can lead to stronger faith. I believe that's what happened in our story. After the man says, I believe, help my unbelief, Jesus honors his request and he heals the man's son. Surely, This increased the man's faith. In fact, Luke 9.42 reports that after Jesus performed this healing miracle, all the people were amazed. All the people would have included the young man's father. He was blown away by what God had done. I bet his faith was stronger than ever before. I bet his trust in God was fortified in a whole new way. I bet the question mark of his faith was stretched into an exclamation point. You see, there are different ways that faith can be punctuated. When we first have faith, we say, I believe, with a period When we struggle with doubt, we say, I believe, with a question mark. And when we persevere in faith through our doubts, we say, I believe, with an exclamation point. Whenever our faith grows a question mark, we can pray for Christ to stretch it into an exclamation point, praying our doubts can strengthen our faith. That's what happened to the man who wrote Psalm 13. He started with questions. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? But by the end of that psalm, he says, 
I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. The same thing happened to the prophet Habakkuk. He started his book with questions. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? But by the end of the book, Habakkuk says, I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The same thing happened to the disciples as well. When Jesus first arose from the dead, they doubted as they worshipped. Yet years later, almost every one of them died for the sake of the gospel. All but one of them were martyred for the faith. Now that's faith with an exclamation point. An exclamation point doesn't mean that we have everything figured out. We will have questions until we meet God face to face in glory. An exclamation point means that we have strong, weather-tested convictions and that our relationship with Christ can endure doubt. It means we trust Jesus despite our doubts. We trust Jesus during our doubts. And we trust Jesus with our doubts. Strong faith is not superficial certainty. Strong faith is when doubts turn into prayers. Strong faith is not faith without questions. Strong faith is when we entrust our questions to Christ. So I invite you today to come and trust Christ with your uncertainties. Come and trust Christ with your doubts. Come and trust Christ with your questions. Come and pray, how long, O Lord? Come and pray, why, Lord? Come and pray, where are you? Lord, come and pray, what's going on? Lord, come and pray, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come to Christ with your question mark. He might just stretch it into an exclamation point. Amen.